Hi, my name is Leo WT, and you have found your way to the Conversations Podcast. Conversations exist to create spiritually-minded conversations about life. We desire to create safe space for dialogue and community. We desire to come together regularly and intentionally to generate conversations about life, belief, and the intersection of the two. Everyone is welcome at the conversation. Uh, but welcome, friends. This is Conversations, and I am Leo WT. If you're new here, hi, hello, how are you? Does anyone watch Bailey Sarian? Because I definitely just stole her verbiage. Um, but if you're new here, my name's Leo, and this is Conversations. Uh, we gather together regularly and intentionally to have spiritually-minded conversations about life, belief, and the intersection of the two. And the only non-negotiable conversations is that absolutely everybody is welcome at the conversation. So this is actually, my, my dear friend here has the distinction of being the first real human I've talked to on conversations. Oh, well, hello. <laughs> um, and I'm not talking to a Zoom-based hologram. I could actually like reach out and touch said person if I want to, but I'm like not gonna be creepy, so. Um, <laughs> uh, but I am here tonight because uh, my friend Brian, I've been angling to get this guy on the podcast for a minute, and he was like, I don't know. And I was like, bro, you got to do it. And then he just so happened to move back into town, and I've been badgering him ever since. So, true story. <laughs> true story. <laughs> uh, I can tend to be persuasive when I want to be. So, but tonight we have an interesting topic. If you saw the title, I really want to talk about um, something that's been heavy on my mind lately with everything that's been going on in my local community. If you're not from only in New York, I'm going to give you a brief synopsis of what's happening. Essentially, two weeks ago, a local evangelical pastor who out also happens to be the middle school principal actively preached and broadcast publicly on social media that LGBTQ people, Democrats, Muslims, people with mental health issues, and people who are pro-choice are all of the devil. Uh, furthermore, he and his wife preached that they were going to infiltrate the school systems, um, and they also preached that, or they were actively praying that the lips of the enemy would be stitched shut and the tongues would be cut out. I think cut out was the word, if I remember correctly. Something like that. Something like that, right? It was all mildly terrifying and aggressive language. So... At any rate, here we are. Um, but that happened two weeks ago. And then in response, there's been a couple of protests. Uh, there was a protest outside of the church of said pastor, which uh, Brian actually attended and helped me sort of co-officiate. Um, <laughs> it was a good time. It was a good time. And then there was a school board meeting uh, where another local pastor who is not a community stakeholder in the land, has no children in the school district, and doesn't pay taxes in the school district, came to the school board meeting and went up to speak and actually physically pulled a copy of the Constitution out of the Bible, which seems to be the whole problem in the first place, uh, and then proceeded to grandstand about religious freedom, dubbing himself the white knight of religious freedom. Um, and henceforth, everybody else is just not, not, on, not on brand. Doesn't matter if you're a pastor that actually has any real training or not. Um, you're wrong, basically. And then um, the same pastor with a group of people actively screamed over me uh, while I was trying to deliver the end of my speech, which was in fact not about religion, just about actual like social media policies and school board um, pol manual updates that should happen. So there's been a lot that's been going on lately in our town, but one of the most disturbing things that I've found, uh, Brian, if I have kind of discussed this ad nauseum until I keep looking at him, other than his, <laughs> other than his dashing good looks, um, we've discussed this ad nauseum is that there is an expressed air of, air of support uh, for the pa both the pastor that preached the incredibly theologically incorrect message 
and the pastor that got up and was grandstanding about religious freedom in a conversation that was actually about school district policy. Um, and then said same pastor actually actively incited people um, to yell like epithets at people as they were coming out of the school and actively scream, like actively dead named me in a way to demean me in public. And that's really disturbing to me as a person who is actually a Christian pastor um, and who has training, years and years of training and multiple jobs and, and, and career situations under my belt in that realm. And, and Brian and I are kind of um, in a certain accord of this. So we wanted to kind of talk about that. And one thing I know about Brian is that his main thing is peace and love and, and actively creating those things. So this is why I brought Brian on. I'm going to let him introduce himself a little bit. Uh, now that you have the background, this is kind of what's up. We're going to see from Brian who he is, what his passions are, why the hell he decided to come on and be interviewed by me. And then we're going to kind of dive into the conversation. So um, I'm glad you're here. This issue is far reaching and it's frankly a cancer that's spreading through American Christendom. Um, and we're going to talk about it, and we're going to go there, and we're going to parallel it with the situation that's happening in Olean, New York. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to my friend Brian to introduce himself. Excellent. Uh, Leo, very thankful to be here. Absolutely. Um, Leo and I go back a long way. Mm -hmm. um, I, In my past life, I was a journalist, and that is how I first met Leo, yep. <laughs> uh, working at the local newspaper. Um, uh, about seven years ago, actually be more like 10 years ago, I, I started feeling a call to ministry, uh, started pursuing that, uh, and, and began the ordination process in the United Methodist Church. Uh, the last seven years, I've led churches uh, in Western New York as well as Central New York um, in the United Methodist Church. I was recently uh, ordained as a United Methodist deacon, so I'm ordained clergy. And uh, yeah, as Leo alluded to, I am uh, all into peace and justice. I feel a big call, uh, a, a strong sense that my call to ministry centers around peace and justice. And uh, for those of you who might be unfamiliar with the United Methodist Church, you know, because all denominations have their different quirks and stuff, uh, a deacon in particular is a is a pastor that focuses on the uh, the ministries of compassion and justice. Mm -hmm. um, I at one point thought about being an elder, which is more of like the ordering the life of the church that the person you would typically see as the lead pastor. Mm -hmm. And I decided that um, compassion and justice are just way more compelling. Yeah. So. Absolutely. And uh, now I just recently moved back to Olean. Yeah. And uh, here, here we are. Brian's words were, and I quote, okay. <laughs> I'm really excited to F shit up with you. And I was like, "All of, we're going to get into the all of the good trouble. And you've been home for 25 seconds. And here we are having this conversation. So obviously there was fertile ground for already, this. I've already protested two churches. Yeah, yeah. Like, two, that's, that's crazy. That's a thing we have already done. It's a thing we have already done. That's happening. So <laughs> I am absolutely dead. Um, so, in case you guys are wondering what's up, I have my phone here to monitor our conversation. I um, don't actually have my computer in front of me, which I usually do, so I apologize if this seems awkward at all, but 
Donnie, you know I had to represent the Bills Mafia, what, what, 40-something <laughs> to nothing. That was a good day on the football field. I do apologize to people who don't actually like football. Um, but one thing I've realized as a pastor in my, in my actual literal studies and coursework <laughs> of becoming a pastor is that things that build community are kind of the purpose of what the church is supposed to do, yeah. uh, building community instead of tearing it down. And so if we need to build community around football, go Bills. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but so, Brian, what I really love about you is uh, you're like a straight white male, but like not a shitty one. <laughs> I appreciate that, and uh, and hopefully I live up to that on mo most days. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. So I love that you are you are deeply committed to utilizing your privilege for the benefit of others. And I think that's really important because I think a lot of what we see in modern day evangelicalism, as represented in only in New York, is this sort of hetero cis um, white patriarchy that literally has just taken over the church. And frankly, the ideas of those ideologies don't actually fit with the message of Jesus. And I don't believe that you can actively preach them and still love people that are harmed by that doctrine. Right. Um, what What would you say about that idea? Because I know that your work is your heart is focused around the tangible work yeah. of actually loving people mm -hmm. and actually working towards peace. Um, so talk to me a little bit about what inspired you about that when you realized that your focus had turned to that and kind of what that means for you in your life. Sure. Well, yeah. So I guess uh, I, I noticed when I was leading churches that like administrative stuff sucks, mm -hmm. does not uh, light me up. Does so, not bring joy in Marie Kondo's words. Yes. The thing, that, the thing that, that lights me up is when I could go to a Black Lives Matter rally. You know, clearly like I'm in my collar, like people know that I represent the church. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that I hear most often in those spaces is, where's the church? Mm -hmm. Um, where, where are the pastors, where, where is anybody representing, um, your religion, but Christianity in particular. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I like to show up in those spaces and, and say like, I don't know, I might be a minority here, but mm -hmm. at the same time, I do believe, uh, as somebody who tries to follow Jesus, that this is where Jesus is leading. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus, uh, Jesus was, was was ministering to those on the margins. And so I, I assume that, you know, about 2,000 years later, as somebody who tries to follow Jesus, I should follow suit. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. And I, I think that's so important because like, you know, there has been an incredible amount of pushback against me personally once I decided to essentially come yeah. out as a Christian, right? Yes. And this is the irony <laughs> of my life is that this is the fourth time I've come out. The first three times were as queer, and now I'm like, bro, I'm a Christian, and this is the one that got people in an uproar, you oh, know? Yeah. Because how dare I stake a claim to Christianity? But, I mean, if you look at, like, take away even all the miracles of Jesus for a moment. If you sure. look at historical Jesus, what did Jesus do? Actually went to the people mm -hmm. and provided them with their needs, yeah. you know? And so if you're claiming to be a Christian, yet you're you're actively preaching against the margins, and you're saying margins come to us, that's, I don't think that's modeled in the Bible. Not at all. Not, I mean, the I opposite. Know, the opposite, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, and I just think that there's, this is both a sacred and secular conversation. Mm -hmm. 
because we have um, self-titled pastors bringing the conversation into the into the physical realm. How do you how do you think that uh, this plays out for you when you want to like be a pastor but without preaching? Like, what is that? Like, what is all of the situations that have been unfolding in here? How does that like sit with you as a person? <laughs> I know that uh, a pastor's job is not even primarily to preach. Um, a pastor's job is is to like, you know, essentially shepherd people, be with people, um, and so you know when when these things are happening and like you're like, oh, we're gonna have a stand in for love. Mm -hmm. Okay, like mm -hmm. my job is not to is not to preach there. My job is to show up and, and be supportive. Mm -hmm. My job is to encourage others to come around and, and surround people who are being marginalized mm -hmm. with love. Mm -hmm. And not like a superficial kind of like, oh yeah, we love you, but you know, you're not perfect how you are, you know, come in, be with like us. It's more like, no, like I'm, I'm going to surround you and affirm that you indeed are a child of God mm -hmm. as I am. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think that's critical because there's this attitude. Um, I've been doing a TikTok series lately, <laughs> which like TikTok is a dumpster fire and I love and hate it on any given day. Sure. But I've been doing a TikTok series lately about translating Christian. And if mm. I had a dollar <laughs> for every evangelical non-denominational church that says all are welcome, but actually preaches against BLM, says that LGBTQ people are the devil, or apparently is literally going to go as far to say as Democrats are the devil. Like, how does this how does this sit with you theologically? Because, again, this is a this is a sacred and secular conversation. Is, and yeah. if you're a pastor, you have to think about the theology, but act in the world. So tell me a little bit about what what disconnects do you see in that theology? What is the, your study of theology taught you? Like, where does that lie for you? Well, it it seems to me like when we, you know let's you know take some of the examples that we're, we're talking about, like that is current and happening in our yeah. town, you know, like the people that are outside of the government of God are not even people who are mentioned in the Bible. Right. Like, I mean, <laughs> it's a very good point. The, the Democratic Party wasn't around uh, in Jesus' day. Yeah, nor, was, his, nor <laughs> was Islam, really, if we're right. being honest, nor yeah. was Islam. So Exactly. That didn't come until a few centuries later. So, it, you know, it just... Theologically, that just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. It doesn't really hold any water for me. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, personally, I'm, I'm, I don't ascribe to any political party. So, mm -hmm. if just taking that example, I look at it and I'm like, I can, I can find faults and all sorts of things that are happening with yeah. Democrats and <laughs> Republicans, right, right, <laughs> and everybody in between. But at the, you know, at the same time. You know, I have to look at, you know, what's important to me is, especially if we're going to have these conversations around, you know, what Christians are supposed to do. And Christ good Christians, good evangelical Christians are supposed to vote Republican. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, uh, you know, good Jesus-following people should be voting in a way or should be acting in a way that, that, that seeks to build equity in this world. It yes. seeks to lift up the people on the margins and, and not... Not in a way that like we're a savior to them or, or like elevated above them, but that you know we're all children of God. Yeah, and 
we should be working together and not creating these divisions. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's one of the most wild comments that I've gotten. And this isn't even leading to a question. This is just a statement. But I've seen so many people saying like, oh, you're, you're spreading hate by coming against this pastor. Yep. What, what in the hell? What kind I, saw, of, I saw those comments and I went, uh. What kind of gaslighting, backwards understanding of, the, of theology do you have that, that creating accountability for a pastor who otherwise has no accountability, mind you? Um, side note for everybody who's watching, when you go to a non-denominational church or an evangelical church is quite often outside agencies. True story. Henceforth, they are the God in their own realm. They are the prophet, if you will, if you want to use Hebrew Bible terms. They're the prophet whom God speaks to, and everybody else is supposed to listen to them and not question. Whereas yes. folks like Brian and myself, I, I practically have to have every poop I take. <laughs> like, just, I, I, I practically have to have every poop I take, like, you know, like, approved by a governing body. Mm -hmm. And then we have people who are just popping off. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like if, if I were to pop off in a similar way, like, I'd have, like, some serious conversations with my bishop mm -hmm. that could lead to um, some kind of consequence. There would be, there would, you know, there would be accountability to that. Absolutely. And if things went far enough, you know, I'd lose my, my ordination. Like, I'd, I'd lose my ability to call myself a pastor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which, for the record, took, like, thousands and thousands of dollars and years and years of your life. Right. You didn't just decide. I didn't show up one day and said, eh, you know. Just like, I think I have a couple transferable skills from my previous <laughs> job. Um, Which is true, but it right. doesn't make me a pastor. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I think, I just think that that's incredibly pertinent in the conversation because if you're going to believe something, mm -hmm. it should bear with it action. Yeah. So when I hear people say, I believe in peace and love, <laughs> But then I either don't see actions, yeah. or I see specific and calculated inactions or support of toxic theology. What does that leave me to believe about another person's, like, how does, how does that sit with you when another person, when another pastor says, I'm all about love, but then actively supports what's been happening in Olean? Right. You know, there's, there's, uh, there's a decent amount of verses in scripture that would point to, uh, love as a verb or love as action you know you know what does that lead you to do right like what's the tangible side effect and like outcome? one of the things that that i hear often and i and i like if i go to a protest situation often you'll hear the phrase no justice no peace mm -hmm. which i think is a very uh a religious statement mm -hmm. <laughs> i think it's mm -hmm. and maybe it's not intentionally that way but it's it's true that peace only happens alongside justice. Mm -hmm. So it's not enough to talk about it. I have this quote here from um, Dr., uh, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, who said, it's not enough to talk about love. There's another side called justice, and justice is love in action. Mm -hmm. Justice is love working against anything that stands against love. Mm -hmm. Standing beside love is always justice. Oh. That's so... I think that's so pertinent and salient in this moment because the whole reason that we're having conversation is because you cannot say you love someone mm -hmm. while actively working against their best interest or yep. supporting or not speaking up against someone who's actively working against their best interest. That is 
that is logically incoherent. Sure. Right? And I mean, like, you can't, like, like, like MLK was saying, you, you can't have one without the other. These are two sides of the same coin. A, 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 a piece without justice is a false piece. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's just, it's like, it's just not real. It's placating, right? Yeah. And this is, I think, this is what I think I see amongst a lot of, um, so we have kind of a couple of groups of pastors in, in, in our town and in the world in general. Mm -hmm. A lot of times the mainline pastors, so your Catholics, your Presbyterians, your Episcopalians, are the people who have been with the work of justice from the beginning. They're the people who actively have a connection to the historical church. Yes, yes. But we don't always hear about them. Mm -hmm. What we hear about is the people who are absolutely raging, um, that are politicians cosplaying as Christians. <laughs> Yes. Someone said that, and oh, I, I, I still it. It's amazing. I because love it. There's this, the even conservative evangelicalism, white evangelicalism, is actually patriot or political cosplay. <laughs> but then we have another group of people who's like, oh, I just believe in love. I love everybody, and I'm not going to take a side. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you're neutral in times of injustice, when you are saying you want peace but without working towards justice, you're honestly just blowing smoke. Yeah, one of the things that I, I had preached at one point, because uh, if, if you were to talk to anybody I've, uh, I've served in a, as a, in a pastoral role in the last seven years, they're probably like, all right, like I've heard peace and love so many times. Like, wh what's your other sermon? Right, right. <laughs> I'm not sure that I have one, but right. one of the things, uh, it, even when we were, we were talking, uh, you know, going through the beginning stages of COVID-19 and... and there was a lot of things that kind of came out of that that showed uh, inequality and injustice mm -hmm. and in our world and in our um, in in our country. But one of the things that and I firmly believe this to stay silent and completely ignore what is happening is not living in love. So mm -hmm. you you could say, oh, I just believe in love and all that stuff, but to completely ignore the thing that is happening is not actually love. Yeah, no, it's actually what it is is privilege. Like I don't, I don't have to worry about that. And like, as you pointed out earlier, I'm a cisgendered white male. Mm -hmm. um, it would be very easy for me to say, like, I mean, homophobia, transphobia, like racism. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, that's right. still a problem. Right, twenty one. Right, right. But that's not me living in love. Right. And like, oh no, 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 no. I support you. That's great. But like. Don't ask me to do anything against the oppressor. Right. <laughs> like, I, I don't know if I feel comfortable that way. That's not loving. No. No. Love, love is an action. Love is love is a verb. And the love that we're talking about uh, often when we talk about love is in, in what scripture is often talking about is not necessarily like the, the love that I would have between me and my wife or me and my son or me and my really good friends. Mm -hmm. We're talking about uh, what the Greeks would say, agape. And this is a this is a love that's a verb. Mm -hmm. This is a love that's action, and this is a this is a godly love. Mm -hmm. And if I'm if I'm going to be committed to godly love, that requires me to move my feet. Oh, absolutely. Love like faith without works is dead, right? Like that that's Bible like one hundred and one. Yeah. Every everybody will come at you with that verse. Yeah. But now all of a sudden we can love people without taking action, like. How is that? That doesn't even make sense by your own logic. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It doesn't at all. Yeah. Uh, someone brought up a question in the feed, and I, w I would love to honor this question for a moment. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on the idea that one group of people or any of these categories of religions um, have got 
the concept that are truly superior and they're they're above people that are in the <laughs> community like yeah how how can this I'm, I'm not even going to placate you or play it off. There's a very specific type of churches that are claiming moral authority right now, yep, right? Yep, yep. They often overlap with white evangelical um, Christendom, right? Mm -hmm. And these, these groups have gotten the idea that their way is the right way. And because they yell the loudest, <laughs> um, the, there's this idea that they're superior. What is why do you think that happened? How do you think that happened when, as we've just talked about, like the actual denominations connected to the historical church have been in the trenches doing the piecework for a long time? Like, mm -hmm. what, why, where do you think that disconnect comes? Conservative uh, evangelicalism marrying itself to uh, right wing politics, you know, that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of become a very it's dangerous like the worst thing. marriage in history. Oh, <laughs> But the question actually reminds me, uh, several years ago when I was uh, a journalist here, um, one of the churches we're talking about was a, under a different name with different pastors, mm -hmm. and there were, there were uh, signs uh, around the village of Allegheny that said, we are the true church, and if you don't go here, uh, you're not. And so, you know, I see this, and now this is a news story. Oh my God, that's horrifyingly embarrassing. It is, and I and, and so I had to call in the the pastor and mm -hmm. the pastor's wife, um, and and have a conversation of like, like so what's this about? And, you know, they were like, oh, you, you that's not what, that's not us, and we we didn't authorize that, and that's not what we believe, and you know whatever. But somehow somebody at least somebody had it in their mind. Yeah that because they went to this church and held these beliefs, they were superior to everybody else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've, I've come to the conclusion, you know, that I do not think any one denomination or one religion holds, uh, holds claim on ultimate truth. A hundred percent. We are all humans and, uh, you know, flawed in some ways and imperfect with our thinking. And so for me to stand up and say like, I have all the answers, I belong to the right belief system and everybody else is, is inferior to me, mm -hmm. just doesn't make any sense. Oh, absolutely. It's an arrogance that reeks of privilege arrogance. and white supremacy. Yes. A hundred percent. I'm actually in the process of reading a good friend of mine who I hope is watching Chanel if you're around, I'm taking this nod from you, but a friend of mine is doing a research project for law school. Okay superiority and why particular in particular uh, I'm not I don't know how to say it other than white conservative evangelical churches you know yeah. um, why they get the air of moral superiority like why do you think that these people think mm -hmm. that they are the truth um, and you would you, you know you had referenced the fact that there were actual signs in Allegheny where people said their church was the true church so yeah uh, let's pick back up at that point if you're good yeah, so so there there was the the signs that were going around um, saying that you know these these folks at this particular church were the true church, and if you didn't belong to this church, you you were not part of the church. So just just screw any other church. Yeah. Perfect. Yes. yes. Awesome. And so I remember doing a story uh, on that, and I had to call out the the pastors um, and have them come in, interview them, and they were all like, mm, "This is not us," and. We, we don't preach that and uh, this, you know, we didn't authorize those signs and so that, that was fascinating. Um, 
so awful. Yeah, and then I think before before this thing died last time, uh, you had mentioned a few different things about like uh, you know the the KKK KKK and yeah. that sort of thing, uh, which reminded me uh, just a few years ago when I was. Uh, when I was out in central New York, I was serving at a couple of churches out in Rome, New York, and mm -hmm. uh, there was a group that came through uh, early in the morning, dropped off like little sandwich bags okay. uh, with candy in them. Okay. You know, like a little fun sized candy bar and like with a little poster that said, you know, join the, uh, join the Northern Knights of the KKK, that kind of thing. <laughs> what? And, you know, it, it showed up in three different communities, and, you know, the timing of this is such that, like, you know, it happened sometime early, early morning, and then, like, you know, kids go out to their bus stop, you know, the end of their driveway, and go, oh, look, there's candy, and, like, now they got this plan. Oh, my God. So, you know, we, we I mean, there, there was a, a lot of demonstration and things and conversation that we had around that when we were there. But one of the things that I got really interested in was going to the website of this particular organization just because I, I needed to see like, right. what are the tenets of their beliefs. And it was just amazing to me how much scripture yeah. was on their website justifying their beliefs and superiority. Um, almost as if, like, you know, Jesus was like this nice, you know, Blonde-haired, blue-eyed, American as apple pie, kind of kind of guy. That's horrifying. Yeah, and <laughs> it I, was. I think that that I think that that is horrifyingly emblematic of the problem that we yeah. see in American Christianity. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, okay. First of all, I am a Christian pastor. I am born and raised as a Christian. I have worked as a Christian pastor in mm -hmm. the Evangelical Christian Missionary Alliance and um, Pentecostal like Assemblies of God's environments. Been paid to work in these environments. I understand American Christianity yeah. very, very well. And I think that when you dig below the surface, there is a horrifying connection mm -hmm. between Christian nationalism, white supremacy, and I, uh, the obvious Ku Klux Klan, as I'm now learning, and this sense yeah. of arrogance and superiority. Well, and you think about it throughout history, even American history, like we come over and we colonize this land mm -hmm. that we steal. Um, and, and one of our objectives, if we're, if we're not trying to actively destroy indigenous culture, we are trying to, uh, by like slaughter and that mm -hmm. sort of thing, we are then actively trying to destroy it by you need to become like us. Mm -hmm. You need to become like white, good Christian yeah, people. Yeah, assimilationists. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, There's, that's what we did to Native American children. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and the the church has a lot to re repent. You know, if you want to get a get churchy about it. Yeah. Uh, and in that, it has a lot to repent for uh, the American slavery. Um, you know, holding people down, uh, whether that's, you know, the voting rights or any, like the, the churches, you know, you could say there's pretty good people on both sides. I've heard somebody say. Yeah, I've heard <laughs> someone say that. <laughs> but, you know, there, there are people on the wrong side of history with Bible in hand, throwing out verses. Yeah. Yeah. And... <sighs> It's so disheartening because I frequently say I, I reluctantly identify as a Christian. And then when people ask me why reluctantly, I'm like, have you, have you met any other Christians? Like, are you really asking me this question in seriousness? Because there yeah. is an incredibly real fallout yeah. 
yeah. from this type of I'm just gonna love everybody mentality. Yeah. That, that there's yeah. no action to that love. Yeah. And in some cases, mm -hmm. like we're seeing in our town, there's an actual complicity with the incredibly toxic niche narrow-minded misinterpreted theology mm -hmm. it, i i'm not the only one thinking this half the reason i brought right in here was to say <laughs> yep leo's right no i'm just kidding <laughs> i'm just kidding but like i think you from what i've heard of your story you've experienced this as well mm -hmm. right and what do you what's your take after these experiences you've had in seminary, mm -hmm. working as a pastor over multiple congregations, being actively, actively, actively involved in working for peace and justice, mm -hmm. um, seeing what you did with the KKK engagement and stuff, what's your take on what's happening now? Like, is this at all special or is this just part and parcel? It, it feels not special. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I wish I could say that it was, but right. it's, you know, this is something, okay, so it's hit only in New York. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's hit so many different places around the country that, you know, none of this is really surprising. It's mm -hmm. just very disappointing. Mm -hmm. um, and this idea of, of, you know, choosing like, well, I'm, I'm not on the side of hate. I love, I just, I, you know, I love, but I don't want to do anything. You know, but I also love the hater. Like this is essentially what's being said, right? You know, and you know, there's there's that there's that quote, and I'll probably mess it up, but it essentially, uh, you know, to choose not to decide or to choose not to act is still to make a choice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, so you you know, if you go, well, I, I just I'm hands off on this. You're you're still siding with the oppressor. Absolutely. You're you're allowing it to happen without putting in actual uh, reaction to that. Well, absolutely. And, and you're siding with the oppressor and you're, as a leader of a community, like I know that I take being in a pastoral role incredibly seriously. It's a big responsibility. No one's even paying me at this moment. <laughs> right. No one is paying me to give two shits and here I am. <laughs> uh, but no, no, really no one is paying me at this moment. Yep. But when you feel this sort of passion or calling or whatever you want to have it, right? Uh, this psychological disorder. No, I don't know. But, but when you feel this, right, mm -hmm. it bears with it a sense of this is my vocation, whether I'm being yes. paid or not. Yes. And here we are sitting in roles where we're not being paid for this. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, why are the people who are being paid for this, where, where are their voices in the conversation? That was, that was always one of my big struggles uh, because uh, just for some clarification right now, I, I am an ordained United Methodist pastor. I am not currently serving a church in like a, a leading active role, mm -hmm. um, but I am I'm going to be working behind the scenes with a, with a church here locally. Anyway, that's all to say like I get disappointed about that situation here. I was disappointed about that when I was in uh, Rome, New York. Mm -hmm. You know, the KKK stuff happened, Black mm -hmm. Lives Matter. All of these things where I'm just like, the church should show up. The yeah. church should be a voice in this. And, you know, it, it felt like to, to encourage my colleagues to join up with me uh, was mostly like pulling teeth. Yeah. And that was very disappointing to me. And, and not only was it disappointing to me that those leaders wouldn't show up, but the people that they were leading wouldn't be there either. And I think that's the issue, you know, to quote, uh, to pull out a, was Uncle Ben from Spider-Man, right? <laughs> With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, is when you are a leader, when you are a paid leader, mm -hmm. when you are an appointed leader, right? You have a responsibility because your words impact more people than just you. Yeah. 
And so here we have paid leaders, we have appointed leaders, and we have some people in some cases here in Olean who are supposed to be elected leaders. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't. Sure. But these leaders are actively not taking a stand. And some of these leaders, the reason this conversation is overlapping is that some of these leaders are both political yeah. um, slash public and pastoral representatives. Right. And so what do you think it does to a people when a leader either practices and preaches incredibly toxic theology or when a leader simultaneously does not publicly decry mm -hmm. toxic theology? What do you think that that means, like just in terms of what you know about being a pastor? Well, I, I think, you know, pastors, uh, you know, for better or for worse, still have, um, still have some authority in, in, in people's lives. Um, you know that that authority is is given to them uh, and earned or whatever, mm -hmm. but you know when you when you have somebody saying these sorts of things and they have a willing crowd sitting and, and just eating it up, mm -hmm. that sparks uh, a, a reaction that you see. Uh, you know, even some people like getting in a tizzy over all this stuff mm -hmm. and like deciding you know to do the childish thing of like you know dead naming people. Yeah going on their Google business site and you know, posting all kinds of negative reviews. This is not a house of God! <laughs> Excuse me, ma'am, this is a hair salon. I mean, <laughs> yeah, so in, in, you know, then, then you have part of, part of, you know, well, I guess the two pastors that we could talk about, the two churches, you know, these are people who hold public positions. <laughs> And so they, they not only have authority in their church, but they have authority within the community. School districts and police departments. Yeah, which, <laughs> which gives them an added kind of uh, layer of, I don't want to say credibility, but maybe, the, maybe that is the mm -hmm. right word for a certain mm -hmm. subset yeah, of people. Absolutely. You know, well, pastor said this, so mm -hmm. I mean, it must be true. It must be true. It must be true. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, heaven forbid that someone is encouraged to read and study their own faith. <laughs> Like if you read and study your own faith, what they they I they might come to an opposite conclusion of me, or they might have a different understanding. So maybe, maybe heaven forbid, <laughs> you know, heaven forbid that someone does their own research. But I would like to ask you this. I would like to ask you this question explicitly, okay? Um, because I'm just insanely curious what your thought is as an actual ordained person mm. with educational and institutional backing. Yeah. What do you think the pastoral response should be mm. to someone, A, preaching anti-LGBTQ, Islamophobic, um, you know, religiously charged messages against poor people, and also to a pastor actively, um, I mean, making students cry? Like, what, what is your pastoral response to that? Because, like... I'm not hearing a lot of pastors in, in Olean say anything. Yeah. What, what do you think a pastoral response is? I think, I think a pastoral response is A, to speak out and say, no, this is not representative of who we are as people proclaim to follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, and, and two, is to have direct conversation with these offending pastors, mm -hmm. to be like, this is, this is not right. Mm -hmm. This is, what, what you are doing is not pastoral. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you're going to a school board meeting and, and making young teen girls cry, mm -hmm. that's not a pastoral move. Mm -hmm. I don't remember that action of Jesus in the Gospels. Like, was it in it one happened. of those? Was it in one of those non-canonized ones that we're not supposed to talk about? Or? Yeah, it was, it was in the Gospel of Mary. <laughs> yeah. 
CC my page later for all of the conversation about the Gnostic Gospel. Please, there's been an episode on that. But no, I think that's the thing. And and as as someone who was raised as a pastor's child, because this is another level for folks who are watching and don't know me, I know there's a lot of people who are hearing my voice who's never heard it before, so they don't understand kind of who is this Leo guy and why does he have a stake in this. Yeah. First of all, education. <laughs> Second of all, actual professional experience. Third of all, a literal lifelong history. Oh. Yeah. With being involved in, in the in the family of a pastor. My dad is a pastor. My dad is still to this day an ordained pastor who happens to not agree with my standing about LGBTQ people, but does actively love me. There is an active love part to that, right? In case my dad's watching and my mom as well. <laughs> sure. Um, but I've seen this 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 come up, right? And I've seen issues happen within communities before, and I've seen how my dad responded. And my, and my dad's first response was always active love, to be, to be completely honest. My parents, despite our, our disparate ideas at this point, made me who I am. Yeah. And that was a person who actively loved people. Mm-hmm. They took pe- we, we took people into our home. We fed people. We gave people clothes. Um, my parents made, as a couple, less than I made at my first job. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. As out of college. And they still did the work on a daily basis, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the other thing I learned is that there's also usually local um, organizations of churches, right? Yes. Um, called ministeriums, which are where all the ministers in a town get together. Did they have that in Rome? They did. Okay. So like, It's not a very active group, but right. it existed. And, this, and I think this is what bothers me is when I did a Google search the other day of churches in Olean, Pretty sure I counted over 30 churches. And there is the greater Olean area churches. And there is the greater Olean area churches, who I know does work, right? Because I've been involved with them via my, um, like, aspirancy process when I was an Episcopalian, right? So I've been involved with them. Um, And I know they're great people that are very supportive of real actions towards love. But there are over 30 churches in Olean, and I'm only hearing two people pop off. (laughs) Yeah, that is, and that is problematic. It is, um, and not and not to make uh, any excuse for that particular thing. Just an interesting side note. Yeah, uh, I don't. I'm, I'm assuming this is still the case. So, uh, excuse me if I'm incorrect. But when I was here last, when I lived in Olean uh, seven years ago, uh, I know those two churches in particular mm-hmm. were were not affiliated with GOAC mm-hmm. and adamantly not. Yeah. They didn't want to be a part of that. Yeah, community. this is a whole other conversation. Yeah. yeah, so the the pastors of these two churches uh, that we're talking about right now were actively not a member of the collection of local ministers. So that w- within itself should bear, I think, some con- concern, I would say, right? But yeah. the bottom line is, is where is the real pastoral voice here? Because... Yeah. It needs to be here. And, and literally, you and I are sitting here on a Sunday night, mm-hmm. taking time from our families, <laughs> interspersing this conversation between our jobs that we have to have to pay the bills, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Having this conversation. So so where the hell is the local conversation? Right. Like, I mean, I understand that my podcast is called Conversations, but, like, other people are allowed to have them, right? Well, and I also feel like... There are, there are, and I've worked with them, there are pastors who feel like what we're talking about is a political issue. Right. 
True. You know, so like LGBTQ is is a right left issue. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but it is. Yeah. And so they they will either be uh, actively, let's say, against LGBTQ, for example, mm -hmm. and not want to make a lot of noise, mm -hmm. so they'll just refrain from the conversation, or they just, I, I've heard so many of my colleagues, even in, in the UMC, I, I'm just not political, I just don't want to talk politics. Mm -hmm. and, and almost in this way of like, I don't want to piss anyone off. Right, 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 right. Whereas, that's, the, your pastoral job is not to never piss anyone off. Mm -hmm. Your pastoral job is to take care of people, but part of pastoral work is also that prophetic and speaking to the time and mm -hmm. speaking to what's happening at the time. Engaging. Engaging. Oh, yeah. Prophets, prophets were actively engaged in the issues of their time, both yes. sacred and secular, because... To be honest, there wasn't really a ton of distinction in well, Bible right. times, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but prophets were the people that were up there. They're like, nope, not today. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, where is that? Like, well, and, and it's frustrating to me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a confession, and I don't know who might actually hear this. That it might, it might bother uh, close to home. But so the past two weeks, I've gone, um, I've gone into worship, and just because a lot of things that are going on. Mm -hmm. I've, I've kind of gotten very disenchanted with how Sunday worship often plays out, mm -hmm. and especially since there's a lot of like joy and celebration, which there's a place for joy and celebration of, of God is great, God's love, and mm -hmm. all of that. But with all of the stuff that's happening in the church, or in the world, that the church as a whole is not responding to or not you know, making headways on for one reason or another, or actively on the side of oppression, I, uh, I got back to uh, the prophet Amos. I'm just going to read quickly. There's mm -hmm. a couple verses here in chapter 5 where God is saying through the prophet Amos, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your hearts. But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. This is what I'm reading during the sermon for the last mm -hmm. two weeks. Mm -hmm. Because I'm I'm just like, you know, I need I need more of this in the church. Yeah. I need I need I need the church to go like who who are we? Yeah. Like are we are we a group of good people who show up on Sunday and get told Jesus loves you and then we go home mm -hmm. and you know decide to like shit on people who are not like us yep. or are we a peculiar group of people who are called to work for equity mm. who are called to to actually be bearers of god's love mm -hmm. in this world yeah absolutely like because because that that's the actual thing um i wanted to point out that someone just said that um uh, they said we had a very meaningful mass on Saturday at St. Mary's after this came to light. Oh, nice. The priest did not directly reference the incidents, but rather gave us examples of when Jesus was strongly speaking out to his followers that it is not for us to judge. That is amazing. And and I know yeah. Um, yeah. I know that there are people who are doing that because I also saw a clip, uh, and I screen recorded, but I haven't got to post it yet, of the pastor from the Presbyterian Church 
who was also saying the same, he was using the parable of the vine and the branches, okay. right, in John, where, yeah. um, for those of you who aren't familiar with, like, the Bible talk, right, there's this parable in John where they're comparing Jesus to the vine, like, God to the vine, and we're the branches that come from the vine. Yeah. And then there's this other figure, which is a gardener. And the gardener, um, I, I, don't, I don't do, like, vineyard shit. I don't, <laughs> I, can't, I can't even keep succulents growing, but I hear, I hear that when you grow plants, right, you trim off the dead branches, to create space for new growth, yes, right? Yes. And to and to remove decay and such. But what the pastor from the Presbyterian Church was saying was that, like, you're not the gardener, bro. <laughs> like, you're not doing the pruning, you know? Yes. And so I know that there are pastors speaking out, and part of me just wishes, like, that those voices were louder. Right. Right? Because because we need to be actively hearing these things. So. Yeah, I think, I, you know, I know that not every pastor is going to be like the one who stands up in the mm -hmm. middle of the community mm -hmm. and, and speaks. So I am thankful for those voices and, and thanks for whoever sent in yeah. that, uh, that, you know, I would have actually would have loved to have attended that mass. Right, exactly. You're like, um, I wish I was there. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, that's great. So that is part of the pastoral responsibility. Uh, and maybe not everybody's called to be part of like, you know, at least the front center like, not everybody's a Leo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and dude, that's like super good because it's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. <laughs> at, the same at the same time, we don't, I think, I think we just need more than the one voice. Right. You know, we, we, need, we need a group kind of coming up. Whether or not they're going to be loud, we need to see them. Yes, and that's the thing is it's really easy to throw rocks at one person. It is. Totally. I'm very aware. I'm very aware <laughs> at the moment of how easy it is to be, to be a sole target, right? But the thing is, is I know I'm not saying anything different than anybody learned in seminary if they went to a real seminary. <laughs> um, yeah. I just, I think that it's time to stand up and say something and like put, present a different pastoral voice because this is, this is, this is absurd what's happening. Yeah. And I'd love for you to share with us. Uh, I know that you're someone that does the actual work, mm -hmm. which is something that I like about you because I don't ever, I actually don't think privilege is a bad thing. I'm going to go on record and say that privilege is, is innocuous. Right? It just kind of exists because of, our, because of the systems we have, which, for better or for worse, rage against the machine, right? But privilege exists. <laughs> um, but the, the problem with privilege is, is, is similar to wealth. The problem is not wealth. The problem is distribution of wealth. Yeah. And so we can share privilege. And I view you, and I, I've come to see you, right, as someone who shares your privilege by standing up for the least of these. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about what that looks like in this moment like how do we share the privilege we have whether or not we're pastors mm -hmm. um what does it look like to do the real work of actually loving people mm -hmm. in a moment like this because i don't know that we're seeing it a lot yeah sure um i think one of the biggest things over the last few years that i've i've, I've realized for myself personally is um you know i've I've been somebody who's been an ally, let's say, for LGBTQ mm -hmm. folk, um, but it's not really until the last few years that I've been quite more vocal about it. Okay. But it's but for me, I've I've had to come to this like, if you know, from what we were talking about earlier of like, if I'm not standing with folk who are different than me mm -hmm. and standing up with them, then I'm not on their side. Right. You know, in order for me to be an ally, I need to actually. Mm -hmm have a relationship, I need to talk, I need to stand with. Mm -hmm. um, so part of that is is just kind of recognizing uh, what does allyship look like? Yeah. 
Um, yeah. When in, in the you know I, I know I'm I'm pointing to LGBTQ, but like we're talking about you know folks of other faith mm -hmm. uh, that have been called out in some of these recent mm -hmm. videos. Um, you know, different political parties, whatever. It's 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 a realization that there are people in power who are trying to put down people who don't have that power. Mm -hmm. uh, as somebody who is, is a white man, I, I didn't earn any of the privilege I have. Mm -hmm. It was just given to me mm -hmm. the day that I was born. Mm -hmm. um, my, my job is not, my job is to be aware that I have it mm -hmm. and then to figure out how to use it in a way that's going to benefit the most people. Right. Absolutely. Like it's it's the same concept of there's actually enough food in the world to feed the whole world, but it's not distributed evenly. Well, in case you're wondering, that's real, by the way. Yeah, that's one of the things I was thinking about that this morning. Uh, even like people who get who get pissed off about the idea of distributing wealth or giving rights or privileges to other groups, they there's this mentality that like there's just not enough, mm -hmm. and so like if we give it to these folks, you're taking it away from me. Mm -hmm. Which, I just like to say, like, there's just like this never-ending storehouse. Mm -hmm. Like, it's if if we're talking about uh, if we're talking about love and if we're talking about like creating equity for people, mm -hmm. that doesn't run out. Right. And just because I want to give it to somebody who doesn't have it right now doesn't mean I have to take from anybody. Right. Yeah. Like that's really <laughs> weird. It's like like it's not a. Love and, and justice are not finite concepts, no, right? There, not. There's not a limited amount of them that not exist at all. in the world. Yeah, they're not like a, a fossil fuel, a non-renewable <laughs> resource of love. Like, right. oh God, if we love these people, there's none left for us. Shit, what am I going to do to my dog? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> I can't love my dog. I just if gave I love all my, my love to that person on the street. It's oh, uh. the worst. <laughs> I think that this is just such a salient conversation because... I think there is a lot of conflation with spirituality and Christendom mm. with this type of toxic theology that we're seeing a lot of. Mm -hmm. And so simultaneously, there's a pushing away of people who might otherwise engage with spirituality. Yeah. But there's also yeah, a complete yeah. silencing of people who have a, a voice in the conversation. And I think that that's unacceptable at this point in, oh, in, totally. in world history. You know, Totally. Yeah. Uh, a, a, ch a church should be... I mean, if you if you think about uh, you know where church came from, mm -hmm. if, we're, if we're talking about like two thousand years ago, mm -hmm. a Palestinian Jew mm -hmm. doesn't look anything like me. Palestinian, for the record, <laughs> stop stop sharing Christians for Israel posts. <laughs> oh my God! That's a whole other. That's a whole other podcast. Conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so. A church, in, in, in the church, you know, after, you know, after the Holy Spirit comes on Acts 2, like, there's this whole, like, it goes out. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to go from here to, and spreading out in even wider circles. The church is never supposed to be, like, this one small, tiny group of people. Correct. It, it, it is meant to be um, an expansion of, of God's love to everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, it's ironic, um is that Christianity often falls into the realm of being anti-Semitic. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of modern, especially evangelicalism, right? Um, because the closer I move to mainline churches, the less anti-Semitism I experience. But it still exists. It still exists, but like I'm at least being taught better, right? As, I, as I'm actively in school, once again, just, <laughs> just to prove my validity. Um, but, but Christianity often falls into the realm of anti-Semitism. It does. But if you look at Judaism, 
Judaism was a movement from the margins for the margins. Mm -hmm. And it was an active movement to bring love and justice to the world. Mm -hmm. And my study of Judaism and Islam, for the record, in case anyone's watching. <laughs> uh, but my study, my studies of other Abrahamic faiths, including uh, including the other Abrahamic faiths of Judaism and Islam, brings me closer to action, yeah, than exclusion, yeah. And I think that's for me the bottom line. Like you know, if if Jesus is talking about you know the the two important commandments of, of love God and love your neighbor as yourself, you know, he's pulling from Jewish scriptures mm-hmm. of this idea of like yes, love God, but you know, love love your neighbor as yourself, but it, but that's also tied into loving people who are not like me. Exactly. You know, that's talking about loving the foreigner and the stranger among you. Absolutely. Kind of a thing. That was the whole part, that was the whole thing. That was the whole message. Yeah. Was literally love, active love, not passive love, active right. love. Yeah, a love that's, you know, when we're talking about loving the stranger or, you know, the, the foreigner among you, it's not like, I really support. Right. I really support, but, right. you know, I know this, I know this, this loudmouth president's like shooting off about how like you know you're not bringing your best and you're bringing your shittiest people over right, there. Right. And there's a whole crisis at the border and whatever. <laughs> um, and you you fled like this worn, torn like situation and you miles and miles and you right. come here uh, and I love you, but I love you, but you shouldn't be here. Right. Exactly. <laughs> there's no there's no borders in the conversation of who we love and love who has we no border. Love has no border. No. The, I mean, for the record, the world doesn't actually have borders. In case we're True having, story. in case we're having a conversation about <laughs> that, there's, that borders aren't a real thing. For the yeah. record, um, borders and binaries, not real. Oh, just we made it up. That should actually be my thesis. The title like of my that. thesis paper, right there. <laughs> okay, get back to me in a few years. Um, <laughs> but I think I, I think that that's that's the point. Is that love does not have borders, mm-hmm. and if you have borders, you don't have love. I think the converse of that statement is true. And so I think it's, I think it's frankly time that we hold our leaders to, to, to what they're actually saying. I don't know how else to say that. Like you are offering lip service if you say you love everybody, but then you actively do not stand up for the marginalized. Right. I don't know. There's no lightning bolts coming down. So I've not been smoted yet. Not yet. I, but I think that despite that's, many prayers, despite many <laughs> prayers, right? Man, there was a whole horde of people praying for me to fail at the school board meeting. Weird place to flex, but um, <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Three exorcisms later, and they either failed or they were so good. I'm a boy. Jury's still hey. out. We don't know. <laughs> but no, this this is. The, the deeper I move in my religious studies mm-hmm. and the deeper I move in my religious praxis, because you can't have, you cannot, uh, religion without praxis is just, it's fake. I, it's not real. You know what I mean? Religion without action is not religion. Love without action is not love. Yep. And the more that I study and the more that I learn, then the more that I move into justice work, mm-hmm. the more I see it all come together. Yeah. And the more what I was taught actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. And the, the the more the margins seem to hold, in terms of what the world needs. Yeah, I I, I don't know how else to put that. You know. No, that was wonderful. Um, <laughs> I, I do what I can. Thank you very much. I'll see you later. What's up, uh, <laughs> bye, guys. Have a good night. No, I'm kidding. Um, but no, I really appreciate your presence because I think that what I appreciate is this is a weird statement to say because like 
Uh, I'm, you know, just like a little bit younger than you, and whatever, whatever. We don't have to get into numbers. We don't have to get into numbers here, but, um, but something that I've, like, that's been cool to see, um, is I remember you saying to me, like, oh, I think I might, like, maybe be kind of sensing a call to ministry, yeah. and now you're like, the word of the Lord is justice! <laughs> um, but I've seen, it's, it's cool, because, like, I've seen you grow into yeah. this person that like your your calling and your spirituality brought you to this place and simultaneously my spirituality has grown. Yes. And weirdly here we are at this same place. Yeah. Back in the town where it all started. Yeah. Doing the work now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate your presence and your voice in this conversation. Is there any I know you uh, you have a special dope treat for us here with some music, but is there anything so. you'd like to say as we like wrap up and thoughts that you'd like to bring into the conversation? Or? Well, one thing that I, I would like to get to is is um, is one thing that I turn to a lot, and it, this this speaks to uh, the action. Mm -hmm. But there's a, there's a prayer that I go to a lot. Um, people attribute it to Saint Francis, um, mm -hmm. although that's never been proven. It's more of like in the school of Saint Francis, but it says, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there's hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving we receive, and it's in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it's in dying that we are born to eternal life. And what I like about that, particularly even that first line, Lord, make me an instrument. Mm -hmm. Like an instrument, like I have this guitar, its purpose is not to just sit here and look pretty. Mm -hmm. Its purpose is to make music. Mm -hmm. Its purpose is action. Mm -hmm. So saying, you know, praying to God, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace, is a, is a prayer of like, God, like, move my feet. Yeah, it's an impl it's an implication <laughs> of action. Yes, yeah. and you know, make me an instrument of your peace. And there again, that's that's not just uh, like, oh, like peace, man, peace and love, like, bro. oh, just kumbaya and everybody get along. Yeah. Like an instrument of your peace, like somebody who's out there doing the work, getting involved, and and producing peace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And all of these statements of like, you know, where there's hatred, let me sow love. Like these are, act, like where there's something going wrong, let me be the one who is, who is working toward the solution. Yes, right. I mean, sowing is an action, right? Yes. Sowing so, is a metaphorical action. I am taking this thing and I am placing it in the world so that it can grow. Exactly. That is not a passive function. Yeah, and so, you know, that's, I, I you know, there's, there's our scriptures, you know, the, the Hebrew scriptures, the Christian scriptures, uh, even what I understand of, of, uh, of the Quran and other traditions, like, this is not a passive thing. No, not at all. You know, we're, we are called to, like, literally do something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. I, I have a question, and I, I didn't tell you this ahead of time, but, but in your understanding, like, of of we are called to action and mm -hmm. this is the situation we see a hand in only and like what are your tangible action points that you would present to people like people who want to take action and get involved okay so uh do we want to talk are we talking specifically about like what's at hand right now yeah let's do okay. that and then we'll go general okay uh you know one of the one of the things and and i saw a lot of calls for this um as as it uh, as it was unfolding early on uh was showing showing up mm -hmm. Um, whether it was showing up at the stand-in for love, mm -hmm. whether it was showing up at the school board, mm -hmm. um, 
not even necessarily having to go in and speak at the school board, but just, just being there as a, a presence of support mm -hmm. is huge. Mm -hmm. um, having the conversations with, uh, with, you know, not everybody's gonna like stand up at the school board and speak. Absolutely. But if you're a letter writer person, mm -hmm. send a letter to the school board, to the district superintendent. Yep. And if, if you have concerns about what's going on, make sure that they hear your voice. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't around three years ago when when things things fell down last time. Yep. <laughs> got swept under the rug. But the reason these things are now even in the conversation is because somebody decided they needed to stand up and talk mm -hmm. and say something. Mm -hmm. um, and whether that's creating an anonymous Facebook page to make us all aware of it. <laughs> thank you, by the way. Yeah, thank you, Church of Tolerance person who's not me, just in case anyone's wondering, I'll throw it out there again. <laughs> But I mean, yeah, these are the things, you know, that, that's an anonymous action, mm -hmm. you know, and not everybody has to do the, like, the stand up and I'm going to do this thing, mm -hmm. but we can all write letters. Mm -hmm. We can all, and, and one of the things that uh, I, I also want to make sure uh, that we talk about too is, is continuing to be an ally, mm -hmm. you know, in these sorts of situations, and I'm speaking from somebody, let's say, who doesn't have any uh, real life connection with this, so you mm -hmm. can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but these events are triggering mm -hmm. and they stir up a lot of emotion Absolutely. and, you know, so being, being able to be a supportive presence, mm -hmm. you know, whether, even if it's just like lending your shoulder, mm -hmm. lending your ear to listen, that's huge. Absolutely. That's like, we need people in, in whatever spaces when people are falling down like that. Mm -hmm and being crushed by these things. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a there's a very real toll. And as someone who um, has been like involved in activism for a lot longer than just the past year, I got a lot of comments on my Facebook page like, oh, have you ever been to a protest before? And I was like, yeah, like I started going like over a decade ago. <laughs> okay, next question. But as someone who like who has been involved in the work of their own redemption for a long time, yeah. Uh, solidarity is important, and that's the reason that I choose to show up at Black Lives Matter events. Yeah. It's not because I. It's not because it's. I mean, actually, white supremacy affects us all in different ways. Yes. But yes. but like there are people who have been doing the work for a long time, and it's just about time that we show up and we just like support them, mm -hmm. you know, and just just show up. And I think that that's an incredibly tangible and salient way to do it. Absolutely. Yeah, and the and the last thing I'll say about these these sorts of things uh, would be like. You know, I'm I'm appreciative of this platform for, for you and I to have these conversations, but one of the things that I, I I don't do unless I'm explicitly asked is to show up to a space and take on a leadership role per mm -hmm. se. Mm -hmm. I don't mind being behind the scenes, but if like I'm not LGBTQ, I'm I'm not uh, you know, black indigenous or a person of color. Mm -hmm. So if I'm gonna show up in those spaces, I don't necessarily think um, that I need to assume, like, you know, any other white man. Right. That I automatically have the privilege of leading whatever's right. happening. Right, right. You know, if somebody wants me to help lead or, or do something, I'm going to do that. But my, my, my hope is to be there as, as a person who supports in whatever way that's needed. Mm -hmm. And that looks like a lot of different things, but I, I would rather have somebody tell me, this is what, 
I need from you rather than me assuming Absolutely. I know what they need. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think that there is a benefit too to that collective compounding of energy too. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's uh, there's there's a reason that the Bible said where two or three are gathered in my name, so also will I be there, right? Yeah. And I think that's the same when it when it comes to to movements of justice is like you don't have to have the answers. Yep. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be the target of the harmful action, right? But just showing up and lending solidarity, I think, is yeah. is actually of spiritual importance, of energetic so. importance, mm -hmm. right? Most I absolutely certainly. agree. I agree. Um, I have to thank you for your thoughts, <laughs> and also I would be remiss to not say, not mention that someone else said uh, we're they're really glad you're around now too. For oh, the record, just so you. just you know. <laughs> great ones you'll have to check all of our multiple videos thanks to technical <laughs> difficulties but um no i appreciate that and i appreciate the you know it's weird you're doing sort of revolutionary pastoral work by just like actually doing throwback pastoral work <laughs> <laughs> like before preacher sneakers before mega churches before all of these other institutions like this is just what we were actually supposed to do um and mm -hmm. it's a collective communal work and and the work of the pastor is to inspire and love the community and that bears with an action. So thank you for doing that, even though no one's paying your paycheck for it right now. <laughs> not, not in this work. Not, but, not in this work, right? that's okay. <laughs> um, for those of you who are looking for more tangible actions locally, um, we, I will drop some comments in here about specific people to email, phone numbers to call, and places and times to show up. There is a board meeting this coming Tuesday at Olean High School, um, and there will be public comment. If you have not signed up, you to comment, you probably cannot, but it's worth an email to the superintendent secretary. But if not, just show up. Just show up. Show up with a sign, show up with a hug, show up with anything, but just show up for love and be an active participant and actively loving um, people who need it in this moment. So for those of you who are looking for tangible local actions, this is a thing. For those of you who are looking for more like global actions, please contact um, refugee resources in your area. Please contact homeless shelters in your area. Um, contact the Poor People's Campaign. Yes. Contact, Poor People's Campaign is dope. They've been doing the work for a hot minute, right? Oh, um, get involved because even in like, like I know there's a Poor, People campaign, Poor People's Campaign group that meets in Cuba, New York. Yeah. And they've been struggling to gain traction, but th there are people doing the work around you. Yeah. My advice is honestly probably don't go through your church, <laughs> but look for people who are actively doing the work because there are women's rights groups, yeah. there are trans rights groups, there are Black Lives Matter groups, there are um, people who are working for prison abolition, there are people yeah. working who are working to go and just like befriend and serve and bring love to people who are incarcerated. Yeah. There is policy work that you can do to oh, yeah. politically um, engage in unjust practices such as mandatory minimum and racist-based policies in the United States of America. There are infinite number of ways to get involved, but look for the people who are already doing the work in your area, because I guarantee you they're there and they're tired and they need you. So if you're looking to act locally, we will have resources here. If you're looking to act in your area, look at those avenues. I don't have like a lot of free time, but if you live in somewhere and you're not sure what's up, let me know and I will Google your town or you can, but there is work to be done and there's people doing it. Yeah. And I think some of the benefit of what we can do is show up to the people who've been invested in the work for a long time. Totally. Right? So uh, instead of trying to pop off and do our own thing, but I digress. Brian, I know you have a, a little, 
uh, a musical selection for us. So Brian is actually a musician and he is gonna play for us a song. So he's gonna get himself set up right here and he's actually gonna play us out here. So we'll go ahead and, and give Brian the, the screen once he's ready, so. Uh, Joanna, it would be dope if you would be there in mutual support. Um, if you have any questions about local actions, you can typically ask me. Um, the Olean Regional Justice Coalition also posts a lot, as does Conversations. Uh, my Project Conversations is a podcast in spiritually minded community, but we desire to um, think globally and act locally. So a lot of times there's local actions posted on there. At the very least, you can look at my personal page, Leo, Dub, uh, Leo Walters to Hair on Facebook. So um, thank you guys for joining us and let's let Brian play us out now. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so quick context to this song. This is a, uh, an original song called The Way. Um, and it, it's based on a story in loop 10 uh, and so the the cliff notes version is uh, this this uh, expert in the Jewish law comes up to Jesus and says you know what are the two most uh, important commandments and you know apparently it comes down to love God uh, love your neighbor and so this this lawyer uh, this this person who's like really steeped in the law says okay yeah but right who is my neighbor and Jesus begins to tell this story about uh, the Good Samaritan, which is uh, a phrase that you often hear. And basically what happens is there's a guy beaten half dead on the side of the road. And, you know, a religious guy walks by, like a, a priest of some sort. Another religious authority walks by and they see, they both see and they pass on the other side. And the Samaritan, um, you know, uh, a type of person who... Jews and Samaritans in that time did not get along. And uh, this, this guy picks him off the side of the road, attends to his wounds, sends him to an inn, pays the bill, and says, like, I'll be back, and whatever else I owe you, I'll pay for this guy. And so Jesus is all like, so who was the neighbor? <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the, the one who attended to him was, was the neighbor. So... I wrote a song kind of based on on uh, on this back and forth. It doesn't want to stay up. No, it doesn't want to stay up. Oh, whoops. I don't know if there's any way I can help you. That's okay. I'll just sit down. Do you want me to hold it? Nah. <laughs> yeah, see, it would help if I actually memorized lyrics, but you know. No, that's really hard work. <laughs> How do you read it? How do you read me? How does the good book show you the way? How will you live knowing what you know? it be you already know the way it all comes down to love there's no other way do this and you'll live you may ask who is my neighbor 
do I love as I walk along the way? Who's worthy of my time and compassion? Must it be anyone come along the way? for sharing that with us friend i know that singing in front of an audience is in and of itself an act of vulnerability so i appreciate it (laughs) i also appreciate your very tangible take on what it means to like actually act in love um i very much appreciate that and i appreciate your presence um in in silence and you know in numbers of showing up in olean and i'm glad that you're back incredibly so glad to be back (laughs) well apparently there's work to be done in olean and there is we're two of the people here to do it so (laughs) um thank you so much everyone for watching i do apologize for the technical difficulties but i appreciate that you stuck this out i am going to drop a stitch together video in youtube form if you'd like to share it i'll have that up tonight also please if you're interested in acting locally this coming tuesday night there will be a board meeting at olean high school i believe that the meeting started at 6 30 and we will meet at six outside to attend uh, if you are interested please contact tim sherlock for more information he's organizing a group of concerned citizens to take action on this matter i do believe i will be there myself as long as i'm not buried under graduate school homework. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you, if you are interested in showing up locally, that's the place to go. Tuesday night, we'll be talking, uh, we'll be, there's a bunch of concerned citizens presenting at the Olean's uh, City School District School Board meeting. Uh, if you're interested in being a greater part of conversations, please check out conversationsofficial.com. You can find all of our socials on there. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Also, I am live 
every week, uh, either Sunday night or Monday night, depending on my guest time frame, to have continuing spiritually minded conversations about life, belief, and the intersection of the two. Additionally, I'm going to put this plea out there. Many of you have asked uh, where I go to church, what church I work at, or how you can be a part of what I'm doing. So if you're interested, I am looking to start a local gathering here in Olean and to make conversations more of a formalized group. The only way that I can do that is with your support. If you go to conversationsofficial.com, you can find the Patreon for Conversations Official. Uh, Patreon is the place that you can make a monthly donation to help keep the lights on, keep the internet working, <laughs> um, and to also make it possible for us to gather in person uh, regularly and intentionally. So please consider supporting the Patreon. I haven't pushed it in the past because I feel weird, but so many people are asking me to start something. And the only way that I can do that is if we all do it together. So um, conversationsofficial.com, if you're like to find the patreon information thank you guys so much for watching and i will actually see you tomorrow uh, for a special episode with a friend of mine who is anonymous and runs a instagram page called decolonizing christianity where we're not going to talk about the intersections of white supremacy and american evangelicalism and oppression of native american peoples and we're going to talk about how that happened where we're at now and how we actively dismantle that system so join us tomorrow for conversations brian thank you is there any place people can follow your work if they're interested to follow what you're doing oh gosh i don't even know compassion um just writing? yeah compassionwriting.com um mm -hmm. i'm i'm attempting to do some freelance writing work particularly for Nonprofit organizations. You can find me on Facebook, uh, right. Brian Lothridge. All right, there. awesome. Yeah. We'll put both of your tags in yeah. the com yes. in the um, comments here, and I'll also make sure to put them in the podcast so that people can find you. So Brian okay. Lothridge on Facebook, CompassionWriting.com is his freelance project. He's a great writer. Hire him to say words for you, <laughs> Thank Brian. <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody. I will see you tomorrow, and then we'll see you every week from here on out until the world's a better place. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs> This has been the Conversations Podcast. Thank you so much for joining. If you have any questions or comments or just want to get involved, feel free to join the conversation on social media. You can find us at Conversations Official on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And please don't forget to rate, follow, and share this podcast. We're available on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for joining the conversation.